hello, hello, and welcome to episode 13 of the Great Canadian Hockey Podcast. I'm James Percy, as always. I haven't changed. I'm still the same person as I was last week, kind of, maybe, sort of. I don't know. I've lived. I've had a good week. And my co-host, Aiden Sarah. How you doing, Aiden? What's new? Pretty good. Nothing Nothing of note has happened in the last seven plus days. We're doing this on a Tuesday, Wednesday instead of a Sunday, Monday, but that's all good. Midweek pod. Let's go. Definitely. Yeah. So we got the midweek pod. We, uh, um, I, I was a bit tired over the weekend. Uh, I uh, haven't really been sleeping enough. Been getting the early morning shifts. So I'm a bit of a night owl. So Aiden took pity on me and said, hey, We'll let we'll let you get a couple hours of sleep. We'll come back at this Dude, in a few days, and you you ever feel a lot better. You looked you looked like you were in rough shape, man. I was not about to force you to do this when you 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 looked physically ill. I was not. Uh, I would have not. I would would not have felt good about being like James. We have to do this today with you in that state. So this is this this was the better of the options. If our last episode was a 9 out of 10 by our standards, what do you think this episode would have been if I was in that condition? Oh, my God. Like, four, maybe? Biggest carry job I've ever had to do. (laughs) I literally would have just been lagging behind you. That would have been it. That's all. Uh, You talk the entire hour. It's all you. (laughs) (laughs) I will nod. I'll grunt. And then we don't release the video. So it would have just been grunting. (laughs) So we've got a lot of hockey stuff to talk about. You know, there have been some transactions. All-Star Weekend happened. There's some junior stuff going on. I am going to absolutely mutilate Aiden later at the end of the episode with our... uh, with our player traject- career trajectories game, it's uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a lot of editing <laughs> so we can get his struggle time out. But yeah, without further ado, let's get into some hockey. Uh, big NHL news this past week. Canucks captain Bo Horvat traded to the Islanders, signs an 8 by 8.5. Let's hear the Canucks fans' thoughts before I say anything. As far as the trade goes, I liked it. Like I kind of been of the mind for the last little while that um, worst case scenario was um, that he walks for nothing in the off season. And because it's the Canucks, I was sort of gearing myself up to have the worst case scenario happen. Uh, I really like Atu Ratu for very obvious reasons. I've been a big Anthony Beauvillier fan since before he was even in the NHL. I'm going to be honest with you. Played at the World Juniors in 2016 and looked very good there. Um, play and you know he's the kind of player I really like as far as the depth piece goes because he always for the New York Islanders the entire time he's been there he's really elevated his game in the big moments he's a huge playoff guy um, and a first round pick and the the only thing about this entire thing that I didn't like was that the first round pick was top twelve protected right like that's kind of unprecedented you see top three protected pretty often but I I, I thought I thought top twelve protected was maybe a little bit. Uh, Vancouver maybe should have done a little bit better than that. Go, you know, at the end of the day, if the Islanders really suck and they get a top three pick, they can keep it. But you know, would have been nice to maybe have another chance at a top, you know, maybe fourth, fifth, sixth overall pick from them. Dude, even a tenth, a tenth overall pick could be a pretty good player. I I just thought like it's not even top ten protected. Why twelve? What is so significant about the number 12? I really don't get it. Do you? Not really, except for, you know, like in, for instance, in the 2021 draft, 
there was a clear like top nine. You know what I mean? There was nine players in that draft that were so clearly always going to be the top nine. Like the order might have changed, but those were going to be picks one through nine. Um, maybe the New York Islanders scouting department is under the impression that this draft has a similarly set top 12. That's the only thing I could possibly think of. But even I'm looking at the players in this draft and I'm really thinking like the guy that I have on my board at 12, he's not that different from the guy I have on my board at 14, right? Like that's, that, it's, it's not as much of a drop off as 2021 where the ninth pick was Dylan Genther. 10th pick was Tyler Boucher, right? Like that was, <laughs> that was a pretty steady, steady decline after that, after that selection. I don't think it's like that this time. That's the only thing I could think of. I have nothing else. So on the trade, you, uh, you look at the pieces coming back. Um, Ratu, I see a lot of people project him as like a very talented third liner. Um, you know, he his entire career in hockey so far, you, you look back, he was a very, very, very highly regarded prospect at age 15, age 16, age 17, 18, kind of fell down a bit. We like we're talking about a guy who was once projected top three pick. Um, he was once a number one player his age on the planet as far yeah, he as was. the rankings go yeah pre like the it, it was it was a whole year and a bit before his draft he was the he was he was the top gun yeah and really good third liner like if that's the case i'm i, I might be a little bit disappointed i'm hoping for a top six forward out of atu ratu um you know like if you look at if you look at the difference and and this is just kind of this speaks to something a little bit greater of players thriving in different situations in 2021 he played 35 games in carpad in the Finnish league three goals six points in 35 games second season plays the first six games with carpad gets traded and on his new team 40 points in 41 games right so this is clearly a guy where if you put him in the right situation you give him the tools to succeed he's going to succeed right I think for the Vancouver Canucks the the <laughs> unlocking Aturatu's potential is just going to be more so than anything else about putting him in the right position and giving him the tools he needs to succeed and if the Canucks do that you know, I, I really don't see third liner as a ceiling. He can absolutely be a top six forward. The next piece on the list for me, I, I'm kind of breaking it down piece by piece in the trade. And uh, Anthony Beauvillier. And as you said, he was a really interesting prospect coming into the NHL. I remember seeing him in the World Juniors thinking, damn, this guy does a lot of stuff right. That's cool. Um, the, the heartbreaker for me is uh, all over social media after the trade broke. They were showing all the videos of like him and Barzell coming into the league together. Like these guys were best friends. Like they were as close as players get. Like these guys are going to be lifelong friends. And uh, there was the video of uh, Beauvillier scored the overtime goal against the Lightning to force game seven, I believe it was. And uh, and it was just him coming into the locker room. All the fellas just stoked him and Barzell together. That's, uh, I feel like, if we look back 10 years from now at uh, this era of New York Islanders, that's going to be one of the most memorable moments, forcing Game 7 of the third round. That is absolutely wild. And if it wasn't Game 7 of the third round, and I'm wrong here, then uh, that whatever, I'll move on from here. But I'm pretty sure that's what it was. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, yeah I, you're, you're bang on, you're bang on. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so I think the question is, you look at the wingers that Vancouver has. What is the peak for Anthony Bovillier in Vancouver? Where is he slotting in right now? What What is he going to be here? Because one of my biggest gripes with Vancouver is you have these 
wing prospects and I, I do you even want to call them prospects anymore in Paul Colson and Hoglander, considering how many games they've played. I like you you have these guys and they're not really slotting in in prominent roles. They're not really relevant even right now, I might say. And they're very talented guys. So like what is Bovillier just going to restrict them? Is what what is he going to be in this city? I I would like to know. I hope he has some kind of major impact cuz he'd be a cool player to watch. Yeah, no. And and I I think I think for him it's it's going to be a lot to do with what Rick Tocca does with his team next year, right? Like you're already seeing Vasily Podkuls and get called up for the Vancouver Canucks after the trade, right? He had a pretty good first first half of the first game. I I, I really mentally checked out, even though Vancouver made a comeback. I really che- mentally checked out after Jack Hughes made a four one in that game. Um, they forced overtime, and I was still, you know, I it's it's tough to watch even even then. Um, and you know, like as far as as far as Podkuls and Hoglander go. I don't think there's anything wrong with competition for places and them fighting for it. I also think Brock Bester and potentially Connor Garland get moved out, right? So I think those wing spots also open up. I think right now you're looking at the depth chart. You're like, oh, there's no top nine spots available for Paul Coles and Hoaglander. But, you know, the reality of the situation is that Brock Bester isn't going to be Vancouver Connect for much longer. I think Connor Garland has significant trade value because, you know, $4.9 million for a top six forward that, you know, is 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 never is never not working hard. It's got to be... It's got to be alluring for somebody, maybe not to make a huge splash on it, but for somebody to take a chance on him. Um, so, you know, like as far as as far as what you're saying about him, you know, pushing those guys down the lineup, it's true in the short term, but more changes are coming. Definitely. And then the first round pick, we've already talked at near nauseum about that. Um, uh, how do you see Horvat on the Islanders? What do you think? I think he's going to help a lot. Because at the end of the day, that's what they've been missing, right? They've been missing. And right now he's playing with Matt Barzell, which I thought was a little bit of a weird choice, like Josh Bailey as well on that line. Because to me, when I saw that move, I'm like, oh, great. He's the second line center they've been needing. And then <laughs> they he, their top two centers ostensibly are playing on the same line together. Um, but I think I, I think having a reliable scoring option aside from Barzell's good, right? Like they have a bunch of solid forwards who can't. Brock score. Nelson exists. I like Brock Nelson. I like I like Josh Bailey too. I you know I've I've when they got Kyle Palmieri, I was a little bit uh, I was a little bit you know I, I thought I thought I thought they gave up a little bit too much. I thought he was going to be a little bit more impactful for them as well. Um, but at the end of the day, if you look at how much of their, how much money they're paying their forwards, they're paying to guys whose primary objective isn't to score. Like Jean Gabriel Page is making five million dollars a season. He's a great player, but he's not going to light the lamp. Casey Sizikas is on a decent number too. Like that fourth line, Matt Martin, Casey Sizikas, Cal Clutterbuck that they had for years. That was one of the most, one of the highest paid fourth lines in the league, right? So that they are, they they have been known to consistently allocate those resources to guys who don't score. So I think for the New York Islanders to, you know, not only not only make a big trade, but then break the bank on somebody like Bo Horvat, whose primary objective is to score. That's the trajectory this team needs to go on if they want to be successful again. Totally agree. And, uh, you know, I, I've had a couple of people say to me, like, why would they go acquire a big name rental or a big name player they're they're going to commit money to if they didn't even make the playoffs last year? And I'm like, well, hey, you know, they made two of the last three Eastern Conference finals, right? Like, like, yeah, people have the memory of a goldfish in sports. Like, that team is built for playoffs. And their goaltending is only getting better and better as Sorokin turns into, like, a top five goalie in the NHL. It's uh, it's a lot. So, I, honestly, I think both teams are better off for it, and I really like the trade overall. 
I think the aside from the first round pick being so protected, I give both teams good grades on that trade. Yeah, me too. I gotta agree. I mean, obviously, you know, I gotta, I, I, I had, I had purchased three Canucks jerseys in the last couple of years, and now two of my three are no longer with the team. My Pedersen one that's in my office is still, uh, you know, he's still he's still going strong. But my Tyler Mod and my Bo Horvat ones are, 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 are you know, a little bit melancholy now to look at. Um, I'm Kuzmenko one. Kuzmenko one's got to be coming. So <laughs> that'll, that'll. That'll that'll soften the blow a little bit. Can't argue with that pick, man. But I think uh, I think we should shift gears and uh, talk about the NHL All Star Game. Um, I was working during the actual games themselves. I watched part of the 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 final. No, no, I watched part of the the first game with the Matthew Kachuk hat trick. Yeah, uh, that was the one I had. So that would be Metro Atlantic, and uh, that was pretty cool. It was cool to see Ovi and Sid pass another round. It's not really something you get to see all that often. So I was a fan of that part, but I did watch the skills comp. I had some issues with it. A couple really annoying issues, honestly. I get that everyone usually really likes the breakaway uh, competition or event. And I know that a lot of people only tune into that event. So I noticed that they decided, okay, let's sprinkle the breakaway challenge throughout the entire skills comp. So we would just be like, okay, we're halfway through this goalie challenge thing. The goalie event was just, it was not enjoyable. That was a terrible watch. I I still can't even tell you what it was about. And I don't even really want to talk about it further than this. But yeah, it would be like, okay, three things happen in the goalie challenge. Now let's do, let's sprinkle a little bit of breakaway in it. And then Barkov goes and does some through the legs deke and it gets saved easily. And then they're like, okay, back to goalie challenge. And then they're like, okay, here's another one. It was just, it was really, really odd. I'd say the highlight of the skills comp for me was definitely the, uh, the accuracy shooting. That one was actually pretty good. I was just like, okay, I'm kind of bored. I'm kind of bored. And then McDavid just hits four in a row. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. That's pretty cool. But yeah, other than that, um, I'm going to ask you this question in a sec, but I'm going to answer it myself first. Like I'll, I'll get your input here. Um, in terms of what I think they can do to make it better, I want to go back to North America versus world. I think that's so cool. And I want it to be I want them to either do that or captains and drafted because the captains and, and the captains drafting their all-star teams made for such good content. Um OV like trying so hard to be the last pick in the draft so he can get the free car. Like that is that's stamped in my head. And like like uh getting a pretty stoic Nick Lindstrom as captain to be cracking up during the event while he's trying to pick these guys. Like that's pretty special to me. So I think for us to get back to the charm and flair that were shown in these all-star game previews where Jeremy Roenick is just being a rock star or like there's Phil Kessel sitting there squirming or doing all this fun stuff or, uh, you know, even going back like five, six years ago, whatever it was where, uh, I think it was Jake Voracek grabbed Johnny Goodrow and used him as like a puppet in the breakaway challenge. I thought that was hilarious. So you know what? I I just want well, another that that year another player had like done that with their kid. I think and so 
Voracek did it as if Goudreau was his kid. It's funny, like they're teammates now. That was before they're even teammates. Um, no, I, I, sorry, I, yeah, you're, you're right. Like I, I like North America versus the world. I don't mind that. Um, I, I would probably side with the team captains a little bit more because then that creates almost like a third, that creates truly a third day of like watchable content right? Like the skills competitions one day, the games, the other, but if you have a draft on the Friday, right. And you have all these players together, you have the captains mic'd and everything, and you have them, you know, you have them even making trades or whatever, them cracking up with each other. Like you have, you know, there, there, there's players in the league that I would, I would really love to see do that. Right. It's like you said, even, even the players you don't expect to, <laughs> to be up there having a good time, like a Nick Lidstrom, like he, 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 I, I do remember that vividly. I remember him doing that. I remember Daniel Alfredson up there as well. Um, Tell me if Ovi and Sid were captains for probably one of their last couple all-star games ever and they drafted against each other. Tell me that wouldn't be amazing. I think that would be super cool. I also think something kind of along the lines of like longtime teammates like a Sid and a Gino or even like brothers like the Kachucks or the Hughes. Like I think that would be really funny. You could you could have that whole dynamic going of, you know, and then then at least then the brothers want to beat each other, right? Like at least then that's a little fire is like, is team Matthew or team Brady going to win Is team Quinn or team Jack going to win. Right. Like, I think, I think that would be, that would be more watchable. Right. And then, um, and then, like you said, like you get, you get, yeah, there's so many moments where I remember from a kid watching the all-star game that never going to happen with this format. And my favorite all-star game memory of all time is John Scott by, by far and bar none. Right. And, and, you know, that's the other thing too, is like the second, the fans really start engaging and having fun with, with, with this all, with an all-star format, the NHL is like, all right, screw that. We're going to change it. Right. Well, and John Scott wasn't even the first one. I don't know if you remember before Zem- John Scott, Gergensen. bingo, the entirety of the country of Latvia voted Zemgas Gergensen's into an all-star game in his rookie year. And he was like the, he was the top, he, he was the top, the top player voted into that one too. So it's, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, it's kind of funny that, you know, that, 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 that system fails in the eyes of the NHL a couple of times and they scrap it, even though it was clearly, you know, it was the fans were clearly engaged with it. Right. And so, you know, I think, I think my trepidation with the all-star game right now and, and, and how it was this weekend was, uh, I think less about what it was and more about what it wasn't right. Like all these fun all-star game memories, all these fun things I really was fond of, they're all gone. They're all not a thing anymore. And I think that was more my beef with it was, you know, all these really cool pieces and all, all like the, even as well executed, I'm not going to call it well executed the whole time, but even the parts of this that had been well executed in the past just weren't anymore. And that was kind of, that kind of bummed me out really while I was watching it. Totally. And you know, I think when they went to three on three, it was needed because we were getting stale. We were getting very stale. I don't even remember what happened to the all-star game or two before we changed to three on three. Like I couldn't tell you. And I, I don't know. I, I usually watch the skills con and I usually watch like, part of the game and then i look at what happened after and that's not enough that's not enough at all because you think about all these memories in sports think about like i'm not even a basketball fan but i've watched the clips from tracy mcgrady at the dunk contest a million times it just keeps coming up these are special moments i've heard the story of owen nolan pointing and calling his shot a million times at the all-star game why are we never ending up with moments in our generation of all-star games that are going to end up like that? 
I have no idea. We need to find out how to make it happen. Maybe we need to not force it. Maybe we need to just let them go out and play and make things happen organically. I don't know. But something has to be done to make it that kind of memorable. Or we need to just scrap the stupid event altogether and then just have a World Cup of Hockey during All-Star break. I don't know. Yeah, I actually think there's a solid case to be made that there is a better use of the All-Star break than the All-Star game, right? And the argument is valid that, oh, you know, it, it, it's for the kids and it's for the sponsors, right? But at the end of the day, it's clear sometimes that those players, you know, like how many times has Alexander Ovechkin been <laughs> disciplined for saying, no, I'm not going to the freaking All-Star game, right? Like you, you got to make it something that, you know, every hockey fan and the players actually care about, right? And I think, you know, we can talk World Cup of Hockey. We can, <laughs> we can go down that rabbit hole. But I, I do think, I, I do think this time could be better used as well, right? You know, the one thing I will say that was done way better this All Star Game, and this is isn't something I'm crediting the NHL for. Something I'm crediting the goalies for. The goalies were actually trying during the All Star Game, and I like that. Because there's so many times when it's like, oh. It's a two-on-one, and they just sit there, and then it just goes in. And that was not fun. Like, you want to see the goalies just, no, don't don't launch yourself post-to-post and hurt yourself if you don't need to. But, like, you know, get in position. Try. And, dude, they were trying. They were actually looking like they were present. And, like, you watch some of the players. Ovi was trying to score. Matthew Kachuk was playing his heart out um you know the deserving win of the mvp for that all-star uh all-star weekend but yeah i uh that that is the one thing i will say was done better this weekend was that players tried and i like that no i i, I could see that as well yeah matthew kachuk i thought you know like I, I, he he looked like he was trying too hard next to everybody else but obviously like that's the you know that's the better of the that's the better of the two options whether you're I'll gonna take try it. Or i'll take it every try. day of the week yeah totally well, yeah, uh, you know, there, there's there's better ways. There were positives this weekend and there were negatives. Um, I did. I, I do think it being in Toronto next year is going to be interesting because we're going to definitely see how a hockey crazed market reacts to it and how engaged they get with it. Like, I thought the crowd in Florida was OK. Um, no one else did. Um, yeah, I mean, for Florida, man, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. I, I, I expected an empty rink. Um <laughs> I expected no interest and I was, I was, you know, <laughs> you know, with my low expectations, I was, I was like, okay, that's fine. So we'll see how the market of Toronto reacts to it. If it flops in Toronto, there's major, change, Dude, major, Justin major Bieber's changes, major changes coming. Justin Bieber's playing. It's not going to flop. It's not possible. That, that, yeah. People that's going to stay in the rink just for that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, I feel like we've hit the all-star game at, from every angle. Did we miss anything at all? Um, Nothing. Nothing beyond the fact that I do really miss watching things like Alexander Ovechkin sit there with his sign, like "I need a car." That was so funny. <laughs> I want that. I want that back. I want that back. <laughs> Me too. Me too. And you know what? What players from this generation are gonna take that mantle and be that fun-loving guy that's gonna give us those memories? That's the cool thing. That's what I look forward to. So moving on, uh, just briefly going over it. Jamie Benz hit a thousand games now. Another guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, thousand games for the guy, for the Victoria BC native, um, someone who I very clearly remember coming into the NHL, and and someone who was making me feel very old. Um, I don't know about you, but he's someone I remember being young, 
So that's it's the players that you see go through their entire careers in your time watching hockey that make you feel old. Because once they're the grizzled veteran and they're not the young guy that you hear stories about and the sick like power forward sniper combo that's like that's your on your dream franchise team that you're trying to acquire. Like it's it's really weird for me, man. That like those were like the two cool young uh uh players from Victoria were Tyson Berry and Jamie Ben. And now like Tyson Berry's a dad. Jamie Ben's like played a thousand games. Like uh I'm just feeling old. Like I know I'm 24 years old, but it the, that's just that one's hitting me. That one's hitting me for sure. That's really all I have to say on that. Other than congratulations to the Dallas Stars captain, hell of a player, hell of a career so far, and uh, it's certainly not done yet. When you think Jamie Ben, what's the first thing you think of? When I think Jamie Ben, the first thing I think of are stories I've heard of him that I can't tell on our podcast. Okay. Um, the second thing I think of is uh, uh, taking the Art Ross Trophy from John Tavares. Okay. And then uh, number three that I think of is um, when him and Ryan O'Reilly were both holding out RFAs. This is a really random deep cut. So him and Ryan O'Reilly were both holding out RFAs. And uh, there were all of the Luongo trade rumors. And then a bunch of people in sports media said that the Canucks were targeting a player that was a holding out RFA. And then I was like, and I was an Avalanche fan. So I was like, there's no way he's going to Colorado. It's not happening. Lou's not going to Colorado. They have no, no need for him. They're not great. And um, so I was like, he's going to Dallas. Jamie Ben's going to be a Canuck. And I very, very, very clearly remember telling my friends, I'll die on that hill. Jamie Ben's coming to the Canucks for Luongo. And that clearly did not happen. <laughs> what What were you insinuating? What were you asking about? I didn't name any of those, did I? No, I knew, I wasn't asking for like any specific reason. I was just wondering, yeah, because the the two that I would have had was the eighty seven point Art Ross trophy, which is remarkable. Um, and the other one was going to be twenty fourteen uh, Sochi Winter Olympic semifinal between Canada and the U S. Jamie Ben scored the only goal of the game for Canada to beat the States one nothing. Um, an Olympics that uh, I think was I think is underappreciated because it is still the most yeah, recent. Yeah, right. It is. Yeah, still the most recent best on best uh, Olympic tournament we've had. So, you know, in in, in retrospect, I know shut down so you could watch it. We all went and watched it in our auditorium. Um, I <laughs> I remember faking sick in elementary school to be able to go watch the women's gold medal game because that was a weekday. I'm pretty sure I was at home to watch that semifinal as well. I know I was at home for the gold medal game because it was like at four in the morning and I remember being up with my dad and us having to be quiet. Um, but yeah, that, that, those are the two things. It was rigged. It was rigged. That's a was take. Rigged. How was it rigged? Nicholas Backstrom, arguably Sweden's best forward at the time, oh. wasn't allowed to play because he took allergy pills. Yeah, the IOC though, man. Like that's that's not <laughs> that's not an anomaly for that kind of thing to be 
to, to happen, right? That's the stu- the IOC's anti um anti doping rules uh, include a lot of things that are uh, arguably not <laughs> arguably not taking steroids. <laughs> Just to be clear, I don't actually think it's rigged, but it was a damn allergy pill. Leave the guy alone. Well, what is it? They can't take one of Tylenol or Advil, right? I don't remember which one it is. I don't know if it's both. It's definitely one. Um, but yeah, anyways, whatever. <laughs> Moving on, we got a we got a trio of contracts to talk about. Two of them coming from the Washington Capitals, Dylan Strom, and then Sonny Milano. You want to break these down? Yeah, I thought the Chicago Blackhawks when they traded Nick Schmaltz for Dylan Strom, I thought it was a really smart trade. It looked like so it was smart. a real. I it looked like a really smart trade at the beginning. Since they got Brendan it, Perlini in the deal too, and yeah, Perlini they did get Perlini as well. Year. Um, but yeah, his first season with Chicago, like he Strom played twenty games with Arizona, three goals, six points. Went to Chicago, finished the season fifty-eight games, seventeen goals, fifty-one points. He followed that up with three more seasons in Chicago, two that were quite productive, and one that wasn't. But I was shocked they didn't give him a qualifying offer. Like, I know this was the offseason where Chicago made a lot of weird decisions and, like, was clearly <laughs> gearing up for the tank. You know, they traded to Brinkett for uh, ostensibly Kevin Korchinski and, and not much else. <laughs> but not qualifying this guy was a strange choice. He gets the 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 one-year, like, show-me contract from the Washington Capitals, $3.5 million, and he shows him. 52 games, 11 goals, 36 points. I really, I've, I've always liked this guy. I've liked this guy since he got drafted, right? I always kind of thought, I, I always kind of thought there was going to be that risk of like, okay, yeah, he put up ridiculous junior numbers playing with Connor McDavid and Alex Debrinkit. Um, But I, I liked his game, right? I, I liked his, his drive. His heart was always there. Um, didn't work out in Arizona. I thought it was going to work out in Chicago. It didn't, but I'm glad it's working out for him in Washington. Do you have a favorite Dylan Strome moment? Cause I got one. Uh, Canada, Sweden, 2017 world junior semifinal Canada is leading three, two against a Sweden team that I thought was going to beat them. Um, they had just taken their first lead of the game. I still thought Sweden was going to win that game and it's four on four and Strom kind of takes a pass at the top of a circle and like flicks it through traffic and it goes all the way in along the ice through the legs of the Sweden goaltender. Uh, I think it was Sandstrom, but I'm not sure. Um, and that made it four two, and that was like the moment I was like, okay, they're gonna win. <laughs> like they're they're good. That's a good one. That one comes to mind for sure. But my favorite moment was somehow flicking on the OHL playoffs. I have no idea what channel they were on or how I was watching them. Uh, and uh, Erie Otter's captain Dylan Strom and a bunch of the boys all dyed their hair blonde for playoffs. And they all had blonde flow streaming out of the back of their buckets. And it was like, it was, it was clearly like Walmart blonde hair dye. And, uh, <laughs> and like, it was, it was like, it was rough. Like it was practically yellow on all of them. <laughs> like it looked like they were trying to go super Saiyan, <laughs> but it was awesome. And I just thought like, man, if I got to play junior hockey, I'd totally be spearheading that operation. Like that would that's exactly what I would do. No, like 100%. 100%. Um and then on just one more note on Dylan Strom also the uh when the Hawks acquired him, it was genius. Him and DeBrinket had so much chemistry in junior. His price was low, he wasn't really working out in Arizona and uh when paired with Alex DeBrinket, he played phenomenal. There was a Kane DeBrinket Strom line here here and there like it would and then hawks coaching staff would just break it apart they're like oh 
There's some issues with the rest of our forwards. Let's break up the one line that's doing perfect every game and just ripping points for us. I had Dylan Stroman fantasy that year. Picked him up from free agency. He was an absolute killer. And, uh, yeah, no, they, they, I don't like, I don't like talking smack about management, but they horribly mishandled Dylan Strom. They had a, a practically a, not a freebie because Nick Schmaltz is a good player, but they had a, they had a gem there that they just didn't use properly. And I will always remember that. And it's, it wasn't, I, I think the worst thing you can do with a player is, lose him to free agency as an RFA by not giving him a qualifying offer, right? Like, I, I don't know. That was silly. Um, trade his rights for a fifth rounder. I don't care. Well, yeah, even then. And if you know you're not going to like him, trade him at the deadline. Chicago wasn't making the playoffs. You know, Matt, Max Domi got traded from to to, to Carolina um, from Columbus. And, I, you know, you can't tell me a playoff team wouldn't love to add Dylan Strom as, like, a, somebody as a power play specialist for your second unit, right? Somebody to play on your third line who can, you know, get, get that bottom six goal when you need it. Um, anyways, speaking of show me contracts in the Washington Capitals, though, Sonny Milano got a league min deal from Washington near the start of the season. You should, you, you will, you will remember the whole Milano saga of nobody seemingly wanting him despite 14 goals and 34 points in 66 games and a lot of chemistry with Trevor Zegers on the Ducks last year, but eight goals, 14 assists, 22 points in 40 games from Milano has earned him two years, one nine a season. Um, I, I I don't mind this guy as a player. It did seem like there were some glaring uh, personal problems that prevented him from getting a contract in the off season. But um, I always respect players who, you know, sign a contract like Milano did like a league minimum kind of here, I'll show you what I got and then prove it. Right. Because at the end of the day, there is a legitimate possibility that would, that there, there was more money on the table for him if he went to a European league, right? But he's like, no, I want to stay in the NHL. I'm going to take less money. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to get more money in my next contract he did, so I got to respect that. Does he have the best hockey name in hockey? Sonny Milano. Come on. It's close. It's close. I love Russian names, though, right? Like, to me, to me, I, I, I really like Russian hockey. Like, I love, like... The Canucks, I love all three of the Canucks' Russian names. Like, I love Ilya Mikheyev, I love Andre Kuzmenko, and I love Vasily Podkols, <laughs> right? Um, when I think, like, fun hockey names, to me, like, they're always they're always more European. Uh, but Sonny Milano, as far as, <laughs> if we're talking North American names, I think Sonny Milano's a top three shoe-in. 100%, 100%. I can't name three better North American hockey names. I definitely get what you mean, because, like, when I hear Sergei Fedorov, I'm like, okay, that's cool. That yeah. demands attention. Ilya Kovalchuk. Yeah, I... Ilya Kovalchuk oh. was always one of my favorites. Well, well, Kovalchuk was just one of my favorite players, period. Like, I I love that guy. The Bulldogs. The Bulldogs have a player named Alexi Trischuk, and he is one of my favorite names on the team as well. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, I guess uh, not much more to say on Milano other than I'm happy he landed and I'm happy he found a home. Typically, from what I can tell, players really like playing in Washington. They have a good room always under Ovi. Like like all these guys are usually pretty tight, pretty fun-loving guys. And uh, they all want to stay there. Like you see a lot of guys sign like an extra three-year deal, whereas they might get more money on a one-year or, or, or longer term elsewhere. But they uh, they stick around. You see them stick around and 
It's it's usually forwards too, right? Like yeah. it's the forwards that love playing in Washington. The only exception really has been Anthony Mantha, right? That's the only one I can think of of a forward going to Washington and not like succeeding. Like Connor Sherry uh, was great in Pittsburgh, not great in Buffalo, but kind of had a career resurgence again in in Washington. Totally. Um, Dylan Strom's an example, obviously. Marcus Johansson is back in Washington, right? He's kind of made the rounds and he's he's a capital again now. Um, Canucks legend Nick Dowd, obviously, too, is having a really good year. Like um, Nick, if you told me Nick Dowd was going to be scoring at nearly a 20 goal pace on a team, I wouldn't have believed you when he was playing in Vancouver. But uh, here we are. <laughs> Do you remember that meme that was uh, of Jim Benning uh, being uh, and it was like the L.A. Kings on the other line? And they're like, yeah, we'll trade you Dowdy. And he's like, what? Dowdy? I'll take him. And then Nick Dowd shows up at the door. He's like, hey, I'm here. And he's like, oh. <laughs> that, 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 that pretty much encapsulates uh, everybody's confidence with Jim Benning as a general manager, though, to be fair. Uh, although although right. I, I remember that trade. I saw memes on the other side of the coin where it was like the LAGM picking up the phone and hearing like, we'll give you, we'll give you Subban for doubt. And like, it's like, Oh, Subban. It was Jordan, obviously, but. Uh, all right. Well now to the bigger fish of the three contracts, Dylan cousins, big deal. Let's hear what you got to say. Earned it as far as uh, showing that he is going to be worth it. Right. Like this season, man. Dylan Cousins, and obviously he's playing in Buffalo, right? Tage Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin, Alex Tuck, and Jeff Skinner all ahead of him in scoring. And if you think about guys like Tuck, Thompson, Dahlin, it's breakout seasons for all of them, right? So Dylan Cousins is going to kind of get pushed to the back burner, but he's got 17 goals and 26 assists for 43 points in his first 49 games. Last year's rookie, 13, 25, 38, and 79 games, like, again i i've talked about this i love guys where you can see that they are getting better and better and better as their roles increasing as their confidence is increasing dylan cousins fits that mold um you know point per game players are absolutely worth 7.1 million dollars especially guys that have the ability to play a strong two-way game down the middle right like obviously i like dylan cousins day one for me right i remember when he was with the, with the lethbridge hurricanes and whl going into his draft year I had cousins at three on my draft board that year. It was Best for me in hockey. Pardon? Best nickname in hockey. What is it? You know what it is. The workhorse oh. from white horse. Okay. A broadcaster saying something over and over again doesn't mean it's a nickname. Okay. Like to, when I hear nickname, it's you're in the room and the boys are calling each other a nickname, right? It's not just Gordon Miller saying the same thing for the entirety of a one world junior tournament. That's a nickname. Sure. Anyways, it will never point, be erased. <laughs> no, it it will never be driven out of my head either. Like that was that was that was incessant for that entire COVID tournament. As much as I love Gore Miller, it was damn it was, right it was. Yeah, it, it was it was overdone. But yeah, Cousins in 2019, I had him at three. I had Jack Hughes, Cabo Caco, then Dylan Cousins in top three in that draft. <laughs> and um I I think <laughs> I stand by that he's gonna end up being one of the three best players in that draft. Um I maybe not <laughs> behind Capo Caco, but he's really turned into a player and I, I, you could always see it with him and, and I'm not surprised he's getting rewarded. Totally deservingly. So I've got a friend who's a huge Sabres fan. He loves him. Uh, Dylan cousins is a monster in our fantasy league. Likeable player to cheer for. Um, yeah, really all, all I have to say on that. I can't wait to see what he does going forward. And I have no doubt in my mind that he proves himself on this deal. He's uh, 
he's going to be one of those guys. He's he's a core piece in Buffalo and and a part of a very exciting core going forward. That's going to be some awesome offense for us to watch every year. Like they're third in league, third in the league in goals right now. I'm pretty sure. So, like that's that's pretty wild. <laughs> um, if you would have told me that last year, I would have laughed. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, we can move on from there. Uh, I was gonna say, I, I think it, I think it's too soon to do it. Eventually, we'll do a 2019 redraft. Where would Dylan hmm. Cousins go? Where is I, it's it's still too it's it's too fresh Way of a draft. Early. Um, but I do want to do James. We got to do this. I want to do. Speaking of the Buffalo Sabers, why I thought of it, we did a 2017 Jason Robertson esque one. We got to do 2016. Where does Tage Thompson go? Especially after the season he's having. But that's something for another day. Let us let, let us indeed move on because I know we want to talk about one Mister Jacob Truba. Yeah. Um. And you really put some emphasis into that Truba. That was like that was three syllables. I have no idea how you got managed to get a third syllable in Truba. And I just want to give you props for that. I want to recognize the effort you put into saying that guy's name. Man, I'm I I am a play-by-play broadcaster. My entire job is is finding fun ways to say players' names. <laughs> okay. All right. Toot your own horn. Fair. You deserve it. Definitely. <laughs> um yeah. Uh we want to talk about Jacob Truba because this guy probably has the most thunderous clean checks in the league right now i i like to say at least like he he has big hits they're not always clean but for the most part he's rocking people with big clean hits he'll hit him in open ice he'll catch people with their heads down and you know what hate to say it it's a contact sport i i don't like brain injuries i don't like head injuries i don't like big injuries but you do have to keep your head up when he's on the ice that's part of hockey there are going to be players in hockey that are like that and the Rangers and the Flames played each other recently. Jacob Truba made not one, not two, but three massive hits. He had to fight twice. And that is just ridiculous. I remember an NHL where, you know, maybe there's a scrum after a big hit. Maybe there is a fight after a big hit. But not every time a player makes a big hit. It doesn't have to happen every single time. Jacob Truba shouldn't have to go sit in the box for five minutes every time he makes a big hit. Because someone's like, oh, I have to fight him because this is the only big hit I've seen. I don't no. get it. I, I don't 100%. understand. 100%. And, you know, like, obviously the game changes. Um, YouTube has a bunch, right? If you want to watch, go watch, like, a game from 10 years ago, right? And look how many hits of that magnitude are thrown on a, uh, every game. I think you're right. Jacob Truba, some of his hits, I haven't, like, Sidney Crosby, playoffs last season. He that elbow was up. That elbow was up, and I think you're right. Pr- you're right. Pr- principal point of contact was ahead. That's not okay. Um, but like, yeah, like you said, all three of those hits against the Calgary Flames, they were all clean. Like he hits Dylan Dubé straight in the chest. Nazem Kadri's cutting to the middle of the ice. Truba doesn't target the head. Right, that's not the principal point of contact. He hits him hard. He hits him clean. It's not charging. It's not interference. Um, and then the one on Lucic in the neutral zone, likewise. It's 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 just not a penalty. Um, but that you know what? I feel good rocking a guy as big as Lucic. That must feel totally. sick. Well, and you know what I really, really liked in that game, and I think, I think if if we're if we're asking for what the answer to having guys like guys shouldn't have to fight every time they throw a a clean hit that's just a big hit, I think the answer is what happened in that Flames Rangers game because if you look at the penalties that ended up ended up happening, um, 
whenever <laughs> the instances in which Truba ended up having to fight, he drew penalties for his team. The Rangers ended up on the power play like they should. Like Dylan Dubé got an instigator and a misconduct after Truba hit Lucic, right? In the first period on one of Truba's hits, it wasn't an instigator specifically because the instigator does come with a misconduct, but it was roughing against Chris Tanev. Um, so I think that's the answer. I think that th that has to be the case is if a player steps up and throws a big hit and somebody is skating towards them, dropping their gloves, that player gets the instigator. They get the, they get the extra two, they get the misconduct, right? Because that's what'll stop it. And you know what? Like if, the other thing too that I I I, I support is you know I, I know Truba is a tough guy to really catch because he's big he's strong but you know what the next time Jacob Truba is carrying the puck through the neutral zone I want to see Milan Lucci trying to hit him with a clean hit right like the, uh, or or you know what some 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 other like have the game get chippy within the within the rule book rather than every time one hit is thrown it's this massive ordeal and, and it's a yard sale all the gears going flying right we're getting guys tackling each other right like it's just it's it's like you said it's a clean sport it's not only a clean sport it's a sport in which for so long like hitting was such a valuable part of it and you know i understand the game's changing but that doesn't mean the game changing isn't making these hits dirty they're just not dirty like andreas athanasio at the beginning of the season got like lit up by Jacob Truba because he's skating through the neutral zone with his head in his freaking skates. It's like, buddy, pick your head up, right? I'm not saying I, I, I'm I'm not saying that every time a guy's head is down, you have the you have the right to try and knock their head off. But Athens you, that was a clean hit. Jacob Truba didn't target the head. He just tried to hit the guy that was carrying the puck through the neutral zone. And Athens you was going after him for it. It's like, like, yeah, I completely agree with you. Like, we have to just, you know, go back to what this game really is. And, and that's a huge part of it. Good rant. I like that rant. You, you, do you take a breath for a sec? That was a lot. That was a lot of words that I didn't see you breathe once. I'm just happy. I'm glad we're talking about it because I wanted to talk about it when that Rangers Chicago game happened where I think they played twice in quick succession and he had one big hit, I think, on Domi and then one big hit on Athanasiu the next time. And Athanasiu went off for it. We might have touched on it briefly. I wanted to talk about it more. But yeah, at the end of the day, like <laughs> guys getting guys getting hurt never a good thing right but if you punish the dirty hits with the supplemental discipline and you <laughs> punish the instigators after clean hits with penalties that's you're going to get the nhl you want to get that's my opinion 100 percent agree i can't even play the other side on that one if i tried i can't add a nice storyline a nice little argument for us that that's it is what it is that's uh if we get away from this too far, we're going to get further away from the great qualities of the game of hockey. And none of us want that. Honestly, I don't even think the people that wanted fighting out of the game want that. Like, no, it's, uh, if Jacob Truba wants to hit people cleanly, let him do it. Just let him do it. That's really all I have to say on the matter. Um, one more topic before we head off to junior. I just noticed this tonight. And, uh, well, I noticed it last night as well, um, just because last night was our, our uh, first round of games back from the All-Star break. We're getting a lot of overtime games. I'm really, really liking this. And uh, so last night, which is Monday, just because we're recording this podcast on a Tuesday night. Well, I guess it's Wednesday early morning now. But, um, yeah, so uh, Monday night, Calgary, New York, Rangers, that is, uh, went overtime. Vancouver, New Jersey went to overtime. Dallas, Anaheim 
overtime and then shootout. Uh, tonight, which is Tuesday night, Colorado Pittsburgh went to overtime. San Jose Tampa went to overtime. Anaheim Chicago went to overtime. That is three out of six games each night. That's a nice stat. I like that. That's 50% of the games. So I have a bit of a theory. It's not really a far-blown theory. It's not even much of a theory. I think it's just fact, realistically. But games tighten up after the All-Star break. These points are getting more and more valuable. And, you know, some of those teams I named, like Anaheim, they're out of the mix. I get that. But the rest of these teams, they're jockeying for position. Some of them aren't even in a playoff spot. Some of them are fighting for their lives right now. And if you lose some steam this time of year, you drop three, four in a row in regulation, that ends up being grounded. You're going to have a hard time making back up, especially if you're in that fourth, fifth spot in your division and you're really just fighting for your life already. So I look at Pittsburgh and Colorado. That's the first game that jumps to mind because as we know, I'm a biased Avs fan and I think about Colorado Avalanche 24-7. We know that. That's That's been established. But... Uh, going into this game, Colorado is fourth in the Central, Pittsburgh fifth in the Metro. Those are two teams that desperately want points. And so you can see Colorado going into uh, the waning minutes of the third period. They're up one nothing. Pittsburgh's going to do everything they can on this one. Pittsburgh ends up winning 2-1 in OT. Awesome. They battled it out. Good storyline. Great work. Sweet. Um, but I think... Maybe not 50% of games every night, but I think we're going to continue seeing a very strong portion of games going OT and sometimes even the shootout just because, you know, it's we're at that time of year, man. There's not, they're not, I don't think there's going to be as many of the big blowouts. And if there is, it's going to be teams going back and forth and one of them just gets away from each other. Um, yeah, I guess that's really all I have to say on that. Did you have anything? I feel like I covered every base there. Yeah, no, nothing really to add specifically about that. Um, the one thing I will say is that despite how many games have gone past 60 minutes, I like the fact that only one has gone to a shootout. Personally, I am not. I'm not a big shootout fan. Um, I think that's been <laughs> I think that might have that might be the best thing that hockey has done in terms of like rule changes and changes to the format of games, right? Like I love the fact that in the world junior gold medal game, you will never see a shootout again. Oh, it was so stupid. Olympic gold medal games should not, you shouldn't have a shootout decide an Olympic gold medal game. Right. Um, I love the fact it's not, I've always loved the fact it's not in the playoffs. Um, but you know, the move to three on three, I think has been good for that reason. Right. And, you know, I know I completely understand the argument against three on three being, you know, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a different game from the 60 minutes you play. Cause it is, it, it just is. Um, but I think if it's a measure to reduce shootouts, it's a good thing and it continues to be a good thing. It's very exciting. And yeah, it's like you said, like, I'm totally okay with the games going to OT. I'm just happy with them finishing in OT, quite frankly. All righty. I don't like that. I said, all righty, actually, I'm, I'm going to cut out the all righties and go back to all right. Cause there's not going to be any more. All righties. Call me. If you hear, call me on it. If you hear another, all righty, cause I don't want to make that one a habit. That sounds corny. That's some Ned Flanders stuff. I don't want to do that. <laughs> um but yeah i think uh that's all we got for nhl stuff for the most part uh let's move on to some stuff in junior i know aiden's done uh done a little bit more looking into things and looking into things i mean looking into things come on man like it's connor bedard um yeah bedard was in alberta he did the he was in red deer sold out the pv mart centrium in red deer um and then he sold out the scotiabank saddle dome in calgary 
Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, James, because I might be. I might be. This was this was a while ago. I do not remember the Connor McDavid going around the OHL having the same notoriety as Connor Bedard going around the WHL having this season. He did not. That's uh, that's fact. Uh, and I believe the Scotiabank Saddle Dome holds nineteen thousand people. Coming uh, close to. Yeah, yeah. So close to 19,000 people going to see a junior hockey game. That is absolutely nuts. I've never heard of that. Like, world juniors, yeah, sure. Sweet. Yeah, that'll happen. Not just a regular season dub game. <laughs> no. I don't care who I don't care if it was Gretzky in the dub. Come on. And I, yes, I know Gretzky did not play in the dub. I'm just giving an example. <laughs> But I, I feel like I feel like I really needed to clarify that because uh, that's one we get eaten alive for. But yeah, I it's just mental. And do you know offhand what his point streak just ended that? I knew it was something ridiculous. I know thirty five. It ended at thirty five. Oh, that is wild. Well, you know he didn't get a point every game for the rest of the season, so he's a bust. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say on Bedsy. What he's sick. We know this. We've been over this. Yeah, he's he's getting he's getting the eyes, obviously. Um, yeah, speaking of Connor Bedard, it means we're speaking of the WHL. And speaking of the WHL, um, I have a Memorial Cup favorite, James. It is the Seattle Thunderbirds, who just were assigned Dylan Gunther from the Arizona Coyotes. That's interesting. So Seattle made a trade with the Edmonton Oil Kings at the WHL deadline for Genther's rights, trading a bunch of conditional picks away. And the condition on all of them were obviously, if he gets assigned to the dub, we get him and you get all these picks. And he did get assigned to the dub, so he hasn't played for Seattle yet. But this was already a Seattle Thunderbirds team that were looking very good. They have a bunch of great players on this team. Um, and not only didn't have they had a bunch of great players all season, they've added not just in terms of, you know, like obviously Genther is getting added Brad Lambert as well. And that's, that's one guy that I was shocked to see went to the WHL. He was in the AHL with the Manitoba moose, only two goals and three points in 14 games. And instead of going back to Finland, the Jets decided that the best thing for him to do, he was still double WHL eligible. He's only 19 years old was to go play for the Seattle Thunderbirds. He's got four goals and seven points in six games. Um, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, James. You can correct me. I, I saw on Brad Lambert's Instagram yesterday, he posted a photo of him playing for Seattle and it had like the video game controller uh, emoji as the caption, which is kind of just to me, him saying that he's he, he's playing in a he's playing in the league where he feels like he's a video game character, right? Because he is. He's so dominant in the WHL. Um, I just thought it was funny that I saw that yesterday. We're talking about him today. But yeah, Seattle with Thomas Millich, the Canadian World Junior goalie in that to me. That's 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 my Memorial Cup pick. They got a great defense, they got great forwards, great veterans, great young guys. Like this is this is a team that isn't gonna get beat. Is there a better team in junior hockey right now? Um, the Winnipeg Ice would be the only one off the top of my head that I would think, maybe. I mean, aside from Seattle, who are the best teams in junior hockey? Like, who are they going to be competing if, with if they go all the way to the Memorial Cup, if they're purging through the WHL playoffs? 
Well, Kamloops is hosting, right? They got Logan Stankovin, so they are in the Memorial Cup automatically. Out of the other conference, the East and the WHL, you got the Winnipeg Ice and the Red Deer Rebels. Winnipeg looks very good as well. I think if any team is going to win the WHL, not named Seattle, it's going to be Winnipeg. That's even with as much as I've seen Red Deer play this season. Um, out of the OHL, we don't really have as dominant a team, in my opinion, as you do in the dub. The Ottawa 67s are leading the way with 74 points. Um, and then the QMJHL, that's when it's always super hard to judge, right? Because... Sometimes the QMJHL is is a lot stronger than other years. The Quebec Ramparts of 83 points are 46 and 3. So that record jumps off the page at you, but you know, sometimes sometimes the difference in skill between those leagues varies from year to year and sometimes, you know, this year the WHL is very strong. Some years it's the OHL that's dominant, some years it's the Q that comes out on top, right? You never really know. Totally. I look back to when I was paying the most attention to junior hockey, the Q was sick. I think like when guys like Grigorenko were in the queue and like like Nikita Kucherov tearing it up, like the queue was filthy. You had all of these guys that were just sick offensively coming Dude, out of it. It was I awesome. can't believe I can't believe you said Grigorenko and didn't say Nathan McKinnon, who was around the same time. Halifax Mooseheads, Nathan McKinnon, that team was at, well, that team was awesome. McKinnon and Druan together was unreal. Halifax always has some great players on that team, though. Well, don't I talk about Nate Dog enough? Yeah, I know, but you picked you picked a guy like Grigorenko out of that era. That was just was like, come on, man, give give your give, give your How boy the light. Are we gonna talk about Mikhail Grigorenko? I've taken my chance to bring that guy up. I don't know. I don't know. That's a that's a random. That's that's a very random player. Not random to me. Not random to me. That guy has sentimental value for me. You know, actually, really quick, funny sidebar story. Um, my friend who's the huge Sabres fan that I've brought up many times, he found uh, uh, the Instagram account that Mikhail Grigorenko and his girlfriend share right after Grigorenko was drafted and was playing his first season in Buffalo. And uh, he sent him like a DM of his jer- his Grigorenko jersey or something. He's like, let's go, Grigo. Huge Sabres fan. Can't wait to see you. Uh, can't wait to see you in a Sabres jersey. And Grigorenko replied, and they, like, had a quick little conversation. And it was, like, a private account with, like, 70 followers or something. That's really funny. Really random, too. Like, yeah. we had to we had to come up with some topic that had Grigorenko in it for that to come up, so... Well, I do remember that Grigorenko was involved in the, the trade that sent Ryan O'Reilly away from the Colorado Avalanche to the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, that brings up a point that I was going to mention when we were talking about the Horvat trade. Oh my god, I totally got way off kilter there. Like I'm, I'm getting some hockey vertigo right now. This are we like, are we throwing it back to like <laughs> the first thing we talked about in this episode? Yeah, yeah, just very quickly. Um, <laughs> okay. you said you said that uh, after I said that raw two, uh, a lot of people are saying really good third line center. And one of the pieces that came back in the Ryan O'Reilly trade to Buffalo was JT Comfer. And the Avalanche probably wouldn't have won the cup if not for JT Comfer really stepping up and playing so well against other teams. Playing such a strong two-way role and a scoring threat when needed. And when you can just have that relatively cheap, very talented third liner on your team who anchors a line, that is an invaluable piece. Just a instrumental piece to a cup winning team success so you know what games played and a good role that stuff does matter 
none of those other pieces from the from the Ryan O'Reilly trade to the Sabres are still on the Avs. Sadorov traded for Brandon Sod. Sod leaves. Grigorenko goes to the K. Done. That's it. There was another draft pick that turned into nothing. JT Confer still there. Still an instrumental player to the team's success. Yeah, and then he's having a good year too. Of course, you know Colorado's been banged up, so him him stepping up has been a really you know, he's got thirty points already. Like he's he's yeah, he stepped up in a big way. All right, um, <laughs> I was actually gonna like rush to get to the trivia so you don't get to say your stupid thing, but I, I don't want to take that away from. I you. get to say my stupid thing. There's no. no podcast without my stupid thing. <laughs> All right, <laughs> without further ado. It's not the great Canadian hockey podcast without a couple great games to play. I kind of want to get like a little Tony the Tiger, like a great, like that kind of thing. No, no, I shouldn't do that. Okay, I won't do that. And is that even, that is Tony the Tiger, isn't it? Cross the flakes. Okay, good. I'm glad I didn't flub that. All right. Well, um, as promised earlier in the pod, I uh, I came up with three players uh one of them came across my mind when we were doing the last episode but i came up with three players and uh i want to make aiden suffer a bit he's either gonna fly through these or he's gonna struggle with all of them i don't really think there's an in-between and uh so yeah if you haven't guessed we are doing player career trajectories and uh you know i think uh a fun thing for us to bring up would be if you're listening along and you're not driving or even if you're driving and you want to go park, you're not in a hurry to get somewhere, pull over, stop doing what you're doing. And uh, after we ask the, uh, after I ask Aiden, after he asks me, pull out your hockey DB, pause the pod, see what you can do. See if you can come up with it. And you know, like if, uh, uh, if you manage to get it quick, and you know you got it faster than we did, leave a review on our pod with a comment saying that you did better than one of us and you dunked on us. I'm happy to hear it. I'm happy to see it. And uh, it's not just because reviews and comments get the pod's optics up and make more eyes get on it. It's not just because of that, I promise. But uh, yeah, uh, I haven't asked anyone to comment or review yet. So let's, uh, yeah, I'm going to put that out there. And then it makes it... uh, Makes it a fun game for you guys to play with us as well. A little more interactive. But anyway, without further ado, we're going to the first player on our list. And I kind of struggled if I want the first or second player. But, uh, uh, like, I was struggling with the order of this. But player number one. His career stretched from 2001 to 2018. This player... Played for the Colorado Avalanche, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Chicago Blackhawks, the Phoenix Coyotes, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Phoenix Coyotes again, the Vancouver Canucks, the Arizona Coyotes, and the Florida Panthers. I, uh, Aiden kind of looked for a sec, like a sec, like he had something. And then I, and then I said Canucks and he was just like, what? I don't know. I kind of thought, you know, I kind of thought this is going to be the easy one for him. He's going to really get this. But 
you know, we'll see. We'll see what he's got. Do you have any ideas so far? No, because I just like I'm trying to figure out because when you said Colorado, Carolina, Chicago, Phoenix, I had and even Tampa, like I had somebody in mind and then it was gone. Um, I still think I do. It's Radam Verbata, right? Redeem the dream Verbata. That's yeah. the guy. I thought Ray Whitney at first and no and then yeah because he started that the order like a lot of those teams check boxes for ray whitney it's just the wrong order and then i was like oh he's gonna say dallas after tampa and it's ray whitney and then there was vancouver all of a sudden very much (laughs) um but yeah it is yeah yeah and uh dare i say the second best line mate the sedin's ever had Oh man, that's tough. You had Anson Carter. Don't forget Anson Carter, man. He had a he had a ridiculous season with the Sedins in the early two thousands. Um, oh, that's tough, James. That's tough. As far as production goes, I can't really like he 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 had that one season where he was sick. He was nuts. Well, you can't fault Louis Erickson. I mean, yeah, King Louis, empty net assassin. <laughs> All right. Well, player number two. This player's career stretched from 2001 to 2012. Career goes Vancouver Canucks, Florida Panthers, Phoenix Coyotes, Boston Bruins, Ottawa Senators, Dallas Stars, New York Rangers, Montreal Canadiens, Ottawa Senators. Big mishmash of teams. This player has a very, very clear memory in my head from a very memorable time of my life watching hockey. Very memorable. And after you guess and get it right, because you will, I think, I hope, I, uh, I'm going to tell that memory because uh, it's a special one. Do, 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 do. It's like an insert theme music here. Like, one day we're going to have some sick theme music for these games. One day. It's going to happen. Do you have any idea so far? I keep having guys kind of cycle through and then, you know, boxes don't get checked. So, you know, not as of yet. Not as of yet. I know a few people who, if they follow suit, they're going to get this one before you. They're going to do it. But also, they all have like four years on you. Yeah, it is. It is these ones where it's like a 2012 retiree. Like, man, need need I remind you how old I was in 2012? No, no. <laughs> well, I think it's about that time. No, okay. I got it. I hate got you. Got it. It's Alex Ald. How did you get it? I literally, I don't even know. I, I know, you know, you know how I got it. <laughs> I, I, I thought, <laughs> I thought like I was thinking Matt Cook. I was running through Matt Cook, Ed Jovanovsky from that era of Canucks, right? Because that, that was that Canucks team. And on that around the around that era of Canucks team was Anson Carter. And literally, James, it was the connection of Anson Carter being on TV and Alex Old also being on TV for Sportsnet for a while. I was like, oh my god, it's Alex Old. So I was thinking of wow. ex Canucks on broadcast. That's literally how I got there. That was you literally just like climbed a ladder, and each yeah. run brought you closer to it. I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. My hint was going to be. Uh, uh, I was going to reference the memory I have because one of the first playoffs I ever very, very clearly remember watching is uh, 
when Alex Ald had to fill in for Dan Cloutier in the playoffs. And uh, my uncle was a huge Alex Ald fan because of that, because he thought that guy went in there, popped in that crease, and played his heart out for the Canucks. And uh, and then they got rid of him a couple years after. And I remember he was thinking like, oh, this guy's going to end up being our starting goalie. But no, he just he was a career backup. He did play 43 games for the Sens one year and 67 for the Canucks the one year. But like, I don't know. It just, it just, he just wasn't the guy. He wasn't it. But that's all good. Um, moving on to number three. Number three. Okay. This player's career <laughs> stretched from 1992 to 2013. Honestly, I think you're going to get this one right away. Career goes, New York Rangers, Pittsburgh Penguins, New York Rangers, Montreal Canadiens, Ottawa Senators, Pittsburgh Penguins, Florida Panthers. I would get this one instantly, like in a heartbeat. My heart might skip a beat, in fact. I feel like I have the guy. It's just, it's... Who do you think it is? You're always welcome to guess again. Well, I... <laughs> have just, we established I'm, that rule like we're allowed how how many guesses are we allowed i have kind of been giving you like two when you like when you're like oh is it this guy i'm like no and then you say oh is it this guy then i'm like no it's this guy right like yeah i've just kind of been giving you two because even just because i think that kind of sounds better than yeah and going on oh i'm stupid Dude, my uncle. So easy. Forever, my uncle's a huge Habs fan. Forever, forever. Oh, yeah. His own. I think he. I think his his only Montreal Canadiens jersey that he still owns and wears regularly that isn't like in a box in his basement is an Alexi Kovalev jersey, and that's how that hit nice. me. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was tough because I'm trying to think the 12, 13 Panthers, right? Like, because that's the most recent team. That's the one I would remember the most. And that's why I was like, it's not like Brian Campbell. It's not Upshaw. It's not Fleischman. All those two, all those guys were too young. But Kovalev, yeah. Yeah. Rangers, Pittsburgh Rangers. It was funny enough. It wasn't, it wasn't the, it wasn't the two stints in New York or Pittsburgh. It was just sheerly the Montreal Canadiens. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It wasn't actually, the Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh in his no. second, in, sorry, with the Rangers in his second year. It wasn't like the fact that uh, going from New York to the Rangers, he was viewed by all his teammates as probably like one of the most pure talented guys they ever played with. Like that guy was an absolute stud. You ever hear all the interviews where people are talking about playing with Kovalev and he could on one knee from center ice hit the crossbar with like 50 pucks in a row. Can I haven't. I that? haven't. That's nuts. That is nuts. I I did not know that. And then uh, one time when he was with Pittsburgh, I believe I I have no idea which year, but someone in it it was like first or second round of playoffs, and Kovalev was very cold, and um, a coach from the other team or something like that said. Oh, we're succeeding because we're neutralizing Kovalev's line. And Kovalev was always kind of looked at from what I've heard as a guy who had another gear who didn't access it all the time. And uh, <laughs> the next game, he has like three points, game winning goal. 
And then, uh, and then, like the headlines, like we woke up Kovalev. <laughs> like I will always remember that. Like, uh, and then I guess my most recent memory of Kovalev is uh, he played a handful of games with Jonathan Huberto in Huberto's rookie season. That was Kovalev's last year in the NHL. Um, funny thing though, in the Swiss B League, four years after his last stint in the NHL. And three years after his last time playing pro hockey, he hopped back in and had 10 points in 11 games. Hadn't played in three years, but he's like, ah, screw it. Why not? <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was That's pretty awesome. Cool. That is awesome. But I know before we go, whoa, this is going to rhyme really hard. You want to say goodbye to Bo. Oh, man. Did you do that on purpose? No, dude. That was a complete accident. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to. I kind of wanted to to push this to the end because I didn't want to like take up the trade analysis with this. But like in terms of in terms of guys getting traded off the Canucks, like obviously I was younger when some of my other favorite guys got dealt. Um, but this 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 definitely hits the hardest, man. I remember I, I watched his draft, right? I watched. I remember watching. You know, like I'm, I'm still a pretty relatively young guy. So there's not a lot of guys where it's like I remember their entire career from 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 draft to to the when they leave the team, right? Especially somebody as notable as Horvat. But I remember Gary Batman getting up there when uh, when Jersey had the ninth pick in New Jersey, going, you know, we have a trade to announce, and it was Corey Schneider to the Devils for for the ninth pick. Vancouver picks Horvat, and I remember his rookie year, first goal against Anaheim. And I remember in first playoff goal against Calgary that season as well the 2020 playoffs where he had 10 goals in 17 games and just highlight reel after highlight reel, just, you know, always coming in clutch for Vancouver scoring in overtime against St. Louis. Like, you know, um, he had the C on his Jersey. He was my pick to have the C from the second T, you know, maybe his second season in the league. I knew he was going to be the guy to succeed Henrik. And um, yeah, I, I, I loved him. He was awesome. And I really hope he succeeds in New York. Right. Like the, the, the logical, the, the logical part of me is, is happy with the trade. It's, you know, um, I knew with the Canucks cap situation, the contract wasn't going to make sense. It wasn't going to work. But um, the fact that, you know, the fact that Vancouver got the return they did was a good thing. It's just, it's really sad to see him go. So, you know, thanks so much, Bo. Loved it. I'm going to read uh, the headline at the top of the score from tonight. And uh, I just want to hear your reaction. Horvat salutes Islanders fans. I don't think my name's ever been chanted louder. How does that make you feel? Uh, you know what? My response to that is <laughs> the time in which it would have in Vancouver was uh, they were playing behind closed doors. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you it would have been it would have been very loud in the city uh, during those 2020 playoffs when he was just absolutely dummying the entirety of the St. Louis Blues. Perfect. Well, yeah, I completely agree. And uh, just to put a little bit of context in it, uh, he scores first goal from the Islanders and uh, first goal with the Islanders rather. And uh, the fans at UBS arena, the Islanders new rank, um, which I've heard a lot of mixed reviews about. Um, they gave him a standing ovation and chanted his name. I think that's pretty cool for, I haven't really heard that happen, heard of that happening to a player uh, who just got to a team. I've never really heard that before. So I think that's pretty cool, pretty special. And uh, I I am not a diehard Canucks fan. 
I live in this. I live in the city of Vancouver. I like watching them play. I love hockey in general. If I lived in Columbus, I'd go watch them play all the time. You know, like I, I just want to go watch pro hockey. But as you guys know, I love the storylines. And uh, damn, did this city ever love Bo Horvat? You know how many people on my social media were just uh, sharing the post of him getting traded with crying emojis? And uh, he meant a hell of a lot to not just the city of Vancouver, but for people who don't know, most of the province of BC rallies behind the Canucks. Like, it, it's Vancouver's team, but it's really BC's team. You know, like, they... They hit a very wide radius of people. I'm from a small town on Vancouver Island. It's mostly Canucks fans. Like, it's, well, not, maybe not, like, maybe not all, but because everybody likes to, likes to play the other side and be a fan of something else. I, I ended up being that way as well. But, you know, a lot of people in this province really cheer for the Canucks. And through that, they really cheered for Bo Horvat. I will, I'll never forget when uh do you remember the little piece of media that came out when uh he made the team yes they showed all of they showed him all of his mistakes and all of these things and it was like and he's sitting there thinking he's gonna get sent down and then i'm paraphrasing here but they said but you earned your spot you belong here and he never looked back what a hell of a player bo horvat was for this city and a hell of a player in this league and uh you and i've said it before we're both fans of 32 thoughts jeff merrick said it before oh horvat is the kind of player you're going to win a cup with people said the same thing about ryan o'reilly and i think very comparable return for the player very comparable package ryan o'reilly got traded to the sabers signed a big extension he did not finish that contract with Buffalo. He was traded to the St. Louis Blues and won a cup. You never know. I I really hope Bo Horvat wins a cup one day. Who knows where it's going to be if it happens, but I'll be rooting for him. Anything else to note, buddy? No, I think we're good. All right, well, thanks as always for listening. Um, we are firmly past the 12 episode barrier, so you won't hear us talking about the significance of an episode until we hit like a hundred or something like that. Knock on wood. But yeah, thanks as always. Um, yeah, I'll see you guys in the next one. So without further ado, let's roll that outro.